Today's scripture is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Again I saw vanity under the sun, the case of solitary individuals without sons or brothers, yet there is no end to all their toil, and their eyes are never satisfied with riches. For whom am I toiling, they ask, and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls, and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, some of you already know this, but I completed the last of my ordination exams this past Friday. Thanks be to God, after much studying, I passed the Bible content exam. This meant, though, that much of the past week, for me, was spent reviewing flashcards of biblical quotations in an effort to remember the passage's book, chapter, and verse number. Of the hundreds of flashcards that I had to review, one was especially memorable. It was a verse from the third chapter of 2 Corinthians that I don't think I had ever come across before. And the part that I was meant to memorize was from this, it was this line from verse 1. Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? Now, the author of 2 Corinthians, if I understand it in the larger context of the rest of the letter, is trying to say that the leaders in Corinth don't need to worry about proving their Christian credentials to anyone, that the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. But I couldn't help but laugh at this mental picture that the author conjures of a letter of recommendation from Christ himself printed out on a neat little letterhead meant to get you in the door at a university or at a job interview. And the author is certain that we don't need anything of the sort to speak for us. Now, sadly, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 1 didn't end up on the exam this year. But the image of a divine letter of wreck lingered in my mind. Let me back up a little bit first. The scripture that I'm actually preaching on, as you heard from Wayne a moment ago, is from Ecclesiastes, a book that does not shy away from big questions. 
Ecclesiastes comes from a collection of books that scholars characterize as wisdom literature. Think Psalms, Proverbs, Job, and these books are rife with poetic musings about the meaning of life and human frailty and instruction for a life well-lived. Ecclesiastes, specifically, is preoccupied with something that is translated here as vanity. The Hebrew word literally means vapor or breath, and it's meant to convey something that's temporary or fleeting. The word vanity appears at least once, and often many more times than that, in 11 out of Ecclesiastes' 12 chapters. As the author ponders the many ways that we human beings so expertly waste our lives on things that just don't matter, rather than seeking the lasting wisdom of God. Revisiting Ecclesiastes made me think of a poem called The Summer Day by the poet Mary Oliver, who I think the author of Ecclesiastes would get along quite well with. Oliver ends her poem with these lines. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, she says, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, she says, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So we find ourselves in Ecclesiastes, wondering alongside the author what we might do with our only wild and precious lives. The author has a good deal of suggestions, but this one in particular struck a chord with me. The author, if I understand them, is pretty certain that a meaningful life is not one lived alone. Now, I don't need to tell you that we live in a time and place that trains us to think of ourselves as rugged individualists, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and encouraging us to always look out for number one. It can be very easy indeed to convince ourselves that we are totally self-sufficient. We need no one and nothing else to make our way and that we have earned everything we have solely by our own hard work. I suspect that the author of Ecclesiastes would have a bone to pick with that. In 1997, beloved children's television host Fred Rogers won a Lifetime Achievement Award. You might remember his acceptance speech, which he began by saying, so many people have helped me come to this night. Some of you are here, some of you are far away, and some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones, he said, who have loved us into being. He asked the audience then to spend 10 seconds with him in silence, 
thinking of the people who had helped them become who they were, the ones who had cared for them and wanted what was best for them in life. You may also remember that at this point, the audience camera showed that there was not a dry eye in the house. I think that Mr. Rogers understood what the author of Ecclesiastes was getting at. If vanity is human folly, if it's living a life that comes and goes without meaning, then God is the antithesis of vanity. We would do well to recognize God at work in the nurture and support that we receive every single day from our own neighbors, lifting one another up as we fall, keeping us warm in the cold, resting with us at the end of a long day of work. We would do well to notice God's love reaching through in the tender words of a thank you note, in the stranger at the grocery store who helps you carry a heavy load, in the text from a friend making sure you got home all right, in the loving arms of a parent welcoming home a struggling child, and indeed, in the words of a recommendation letter opening a door for a struggling job seeker. Friends, when we possess the humility to see how much we rely on one another in everything we accomplish, we can see with clear eyes that God's presence reverberates through every act of service that we give and receive. In a book that concerns itself with uncovering the purpose of human life, the answer seems to be, at least in part, to experience the privilege of lifting one another up, and indeed to have the honor of being lifted up when we fall. The author of Ecclesiastes is careful to point out that living in community and doing it well doesn't make us immune to toil and to suffering. After all, we fall whether we are alone or together. But embracing the gift of community means we can have faith that when we fall down and when we succeed, we are held and encouraged by the love of our neighbors living out the love of God. I am so grateful for the many gentle ways that this community has done so for me over the past eight months. I pray that Shandon may continue being a community that enacts God's love for each and every one of you. Amen.